You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Welcome, this is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Friday the 19th of June 2020. Thank you all for tuning in. On tonight's program, we're going to be dealing with, unfortunately, we'll be dealing with the whole thing that's in the news at the moment and constantly in the news at the moment uh, to do with Black Lives Matter and um, a couple of comments made by uh, the Chick-fil-A CEO and... uh, Let's try and get their names across here. Uh, Dan Cathy, Lecrae, and Lou Giglio. They were kind of um, some kind of a, they called the church, wasn't really church, it was more of a kind of a sit around. And uh, they made some, <laughs> frankly, ridiculous comments and um, disappointing comments. I'm not that familiar with the three men, other than the fact that Dan Cathy is known for making chicken sandwiches <laughs> but that's about it really and um so we'll be covering that we'll also be looking at to be the Annabule's. um some comments he's made on, on twitter he made a really really uh frankly a uh, racism um the the, the we have to call it out what it is. If we were in a, there's a group who want a virtue signal and the PC crowd and the woke and all this kind of stuff. And, um, they're making their ethnicity or their skin color or whatever else it is. Um, something to be morally superior at times to anybody else. So unfortunately we'd be looking at that. I'd much rather do what we normally do on Friday evenings, which is look at the Westminster Larger Catechism, but we won't have felt it was necessary to cover this tonight. Um, we'll do that after we look at Psalm 23. We're going to keep going in our in our series through the Psalter and hopefully take some encouragement from that. With that, some some bad news, not terrible news or anything like that. Um, this will be the last program for the next a month or so. The reason for that is my exams, which have been delayed due to COVID-19, will now take place from the 7th of July um, up until the 17th of July. And um, I'm going to be basically studying and I'm just going to be focusing on nothing but that up until the end of the exams and should be back at, uh, hopefully the Tuesday, whatever that date is, after the 17th of July. And I was debating whether to do one more on Tuesday, but I think it, it, it's a good time to uh, to end now. And um, hopefully, um, hopefully things will get better in terms of the way the church has been responding to things. And hopefully, fewer people will jump on bandwagons in the media and will look at the scriptures and look for guidance and um, be equipped from that. And just. Welcome everybody in the chat room. Feel free again if you've got questions. Keep it respectful and everything else like that. And uh, 
I'll do my best to answer them and try and be honest when I when I don't know the answer. Um, so let's go to word, to the Lord in a word of prayer before we look at Psalm 23 in the first part of the program. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your protection. And Lord, we pray that you'd fill us full of your wisdom and how to deal um, with your word. And Lord, as we meditate upon your word, we pray that we would take courage from it, that you are our shepherd, that you will provide for us those who you take pleasure in due to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that regardless of our skin color, Lord, that we would seek refuge in you. Lord, that we would be truly unified in you. Lord, that silly things like our skin color would not divide us. Lord, that we would have one shepherd, one king, that we would share that one faith and we would not be divided on these things. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23, you're going to read this and make a few quick comments, trying to keep it relatively short because there's a lot to cover on in the next part of the program. This is God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and, my, and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Uh, appreciate that. Um, prayers, especially for uh, somebody in the chat room said that I, about prayers. I would really appreciate that over the next month um, and kind of want to give the exams my utmost attention. And, and it won't be the only thing I'm doing over the next four weeks, that's for sure. Anyway, so let's look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And and considering what's going on today and the division and people want to have solidarity based on, so we'll be looking at later on, to be Alabule. We have one shepherd. If, we, if we're Christians and we have repented of our sins and trusted in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord is our shepherd, Jehovah. He is our shepherd. And the shepherd is the one who leads. The sheep hear his voice, when to come out, when to come in. We follow him. And that should unify us. Unless we get divided and split on ideologies which will make other things more important than the word of God. Because it's important to note it so that not only he's our shepherd, but we will not want for anything. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, I live in Northern Ireland and in on the island of Ireland, there's a lot of rain. 
And I don't think we kind of fully appreciate what it's like to live in a part of the world where they don't have a lot of rain. I know some of you guys who are listening will live in parts of the world where it's a wonderful thing to get some rain and uh, and to have green pastures. It's a sign of blessing. And um, especially what we call the Middle East today, not the easiest thing to find. We need to be led by our shepherd to where to go. He will lead us green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And it's all for his name's sake. Anything else that gets in the way of that, it's idolatry. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Not in the paths of a particular culture war that isn't putting the entire law of God, not just our select parts of it, front and center. Either I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. At the moment, with my daughters, we're reading through Pilgrim's Progress, and in one part, he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Second time I've read through it, and there's particular enemies, there's there's dangers, and there's things like that. Regardless of what you're facing, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm with a great cause, because we are many, because we're marching on the streets. No, no, because the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. You, For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And then we got to think about the blessings we have in Christ. Regardless of whether we are on the lowest rung of society or a king, the greatest blessings, the greatest privilege, if you will, is being a Christian, being a child of the king, being given the greatest privileges imaginable. To inherit and to enjoy God forever. To inherit heavenly Canaan. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me with oil. My cup runs over. The blessings are so many. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. And as we think about all the things and all the challenges we'll face, remember this, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, not just for one day, not just for a while, forever. What's more important? Eternity or a struggle even if it's a legitimate injustice or whatever the case may be, what is more important? Temporary justice here or perfect justice, which will be brought in before the throne of God in the new heavens and the new earth. We will not see the full manifestation the kingdom of God, and it's not saying we don't pray for things and all this kind of thing, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. And so we got to think about what will matter in 100, 200 years' time. What all that will matter is where, where we'll spend eternity. And what do we glorify? What do we lift up in our lives? Do we exalt God? Or do we exalt men? Hopefully that's a blessing to your soul. We're going to look now at a Twitter... I think this might be the first time I've ever done this on the program. I might have done it once or twice before. There's a, a, a Twitter thread written by Tabidi Anabule. And I, this is probably the second time on the program I've ever talked about Tabidi Anabule. He wrote an article for, together for the gospel. No, sorry, the gospel coalition. Sorry, I'm mixing up my organizations. And see if I can dig up his quote, his incredibly racist quote from two years ago where he wrote that he believed that white people needed to repent for the death of Martin Luther King Jr. So if we can get that quote here. He said this, My white neighbors and Christian brethren can start by at least saying their parents and grandparents and this country are complicit in murdering a man who only preached love and justice. Before we get into it, let's, let's just acknowledge this one thing. If sin is done by an individual, by an individual, they need to repent. But if sin is done by another group of individuals, I cannot, nor can anybody else, repent on their behalf. Can we start off with that premise? Of course we cannot. And to blame people based on the color of their skin for what happened before Based on what? Based on the color of their skin. Condemnation comes upon them based on skin color. What is that? Except for textbook racism. And this is the danger. Whether perceived or real or whatever the case may be, let us not do what has happened in other countries. Like, for example, South Africa. Let's not replace one racism apartheid, whatever the case may be, with another one. One that may even be far worse in South African cases. The deaths, the murder rate for white boar farmers is four times that of the rest of the population, and they are a minority in the country. The the presidents of South Africa, Zuma, I think that's his name, has talked about rep- uh, land, uh, the land basically been taken off the boars and given basically the black people without any compensation. We don't want that. We don't want discrimination of any group based on skin color. We want equality before the law, not equality of outcome. Not everybody's going to win the race. 
Not everybody's going to come first. Not everybody's going to earn the same amount of money. Not everybody's going to be a doctor. Not everybody's going to be, you know, those big paying jobs. But that does not mean there's not equality before the law. I'm going to read out to be the uh, Annabule's um, Twitter thread. This is from May 30th, so it's a tiny bit old now, but he said this, there's something I've been trying to find words to express for some time. I'm still not confident these are the words, but I, I will use and ask you, dear reader, to receive them as best as God's grace will allow you. I'm still grappling for better expression. I am grateful for the many white brethren in Christ who have expressed genuine concern and weariness about recent events. I appreciate expressions, and like many, I draw some encouragement from them. Please don't stop sharing how you feel. Nothing too majorly bad there. Uh, the third one in, in this feed, a lot of the expressions of empathy are addressed to African Americans as brothers and sisters in Christ. A welcome, a welcome that recognition of our kinship in the Lord, especially when a number of our professing Christians weaponize and politicize that kinship to deny justice. I'm not aware of that happening. Um to deny justice, I suppose it's um, in reference to uh, the killing of George Floyd. Who? Has anybody actually said, has anyone come out and defended the police officer? This is, this is just something that, there's a couple of things about the whole case with George Floyd. Um, has anybody come out and defended him and saying, He's innocent. I'm not aware of anybody. And if they are, they're, in, they're a fringe minority. You can find fringe minorities who believe almost anything. Especially when a number of other professing Christians weaponize and politicize that kinship to deny justice. All Christians I know of have ever talked about this, believe that that police officer responsible should face justice. Not aware of anybody who would deny that, myself included, he should fit. I don't know. That's up to a court to decide if probably third or second degree murder, whatever the case may be. I think it's, again, it's almost impossible from the facts of the case, I think, to try him on first degree murder, but he should certainly uh, face a charge of such a nature of some degree. Uh, then he says, but it must be said that here's where I struggle to find the correct words. And if you do struggle, maybe don't, maybe don't write this, that the site of our struggle is not our shared Christian faith. Therefore, expressing Christian solidarity falls short of the kind of solidarity that's needed in the moment. This is when things get really bad. Next, he says, to put it another way, George Floyd, a Christian as I understand it, and I have kind of questions over that, especially with the nature of, um, he seemed to have been under some, was he under the influence? I don't know. Um, yeah, hopefully he was a Christian. Hopefully, hopefully. 
to put it another way, George Floyd, a Christian, as I understand it, was not mistreated and killed because he was a Christian. Breonna Taylor was not killed because she was a Christian. Same for Ahmad Arbery, the man in Central Park, was not threatened because he was a Christian. Um, I don't know. I don't know the details of those cases, so I'm going to leave that alone. And uh, I do know the overall statistics of the cases. There are going to be miscarriages of justice from time to time. I'm not denying that happens, and it's tragic when it does happen. Okay. Next, he says they were killed and threatened because of the country's attitude towards black people. Now, again, with the George Floyd case, has anybody been able to find any proof that shows that the motivation of the police officer involved in the killing of George Floyd was actually racist? That he wasn't just heavy-handed? Why is it that when there's a video going around, which there was within a few days of it, of a, of a black police officer choking out a... a black kid who looked like he was a bit younger than him. Um, or if a black officer kills a white person or whatever the case may be, race is never brought up. But if, if as soon as, you can get some coffee here, as soon as a white officer kills a black man, immediately, it's taken as the default position that it must be racist. There's no other possible explanation for it. Maybe I'm ignorant to some parts of the case, but I have yet to see any evidence that says that this man was part of some neo-Nazi cult or something like that, that he was speaking favorably of Adolf Hitler or something like that or whatever. If anybody wants to comment in the chat room, if anybody's got such information, I'd be happy to. I've never seen any. So it's just assumed every single time that this happens, that every single time a police officer, or especially a white one, will kill a black man, that therefore it's automatically racist. When statistically, a lower number of black people are killed than white people most years when the statistics are, especially last year, 19 killed, 19 white people killed by police officers unarmed, and nine black. Tragedies when they happen. But need to be put into proper context. There's also been cases, tragic cases, in reverse around the country, and people can name them, a few of them, so, okay, they were killed and threatened because of many countries' attitudes towards black people. The side of struggle is anti-black sentiment, discrimination, and injustice. Again, we just have to we just have to take his word for it because race or because slavery was once legal, and because of the Jim Crow laws. Of yeah, well. The same kind of logic can be used by the IRA to blow up most of Northern Ireland based on the fact that, oh, the British were here up until, oh, I don't know, or still here. Oh, that justifies it. Anyway, therefore, the solitary must needed 
most needed is with black people as a people, Christian or not. He goes on to write, I know some people from various ethnic backgrounds are attempting to express precisely that solidarity with black people as black people. I am grateful for that, but I want Christian brethren to realize that emphasizing Christian solidarity misconstrues the struggle. And there's an idolatrous, just the comment there. If you are making at any point your identification with the amount of melanin in your skin, as opposed to your identity in Christ, if if the, the melanin content in your skin is more important to you then your solidarity with Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, you've got, you've got problems. Next one. More misconstruing the struggle in this way forces a terrible choice upon black Christians. Do we embrace Christian solidarity to the detriment of black existence slash struggle? Or do we emphasize black survival flourishing to the detriment of Christian solidarity? Um, what did Christian slaves do in the first century? What did Philemon do? Um, yes, Paul was very much about Philemon emancipating the slaves. Oh, yeah, he didn't write that. Paul, when he was in a prison, was far more blessed than the, the prison officer taking care of him. He was far more blessed than Caesar. What do you think is more important in that context? We don't want discrimination ever based on race, but our priority is Christ and our priority is obviously the kingdom of God. Next, he says, there's a real-world dynamic for many black Christians. It's not that we don't understand unity in Christ. It's not that we don't understand unity in Christ. Uh, You don't sound like you've got a good handle of it. It's that we cannot afford to underline that unity when the threat is against black people, whether or not they're Christians. Yeah, because, I mean, if we think about first century, what kind of divisions occurred? Between the Gentiles and the Jews. They hated each other. Um, was there a separate Jew and Gentile church? No. There to be one in Christ. Uh, Acts chapter 2. The, it was Jewish. The Samaritans were brought in. Acts chapter 8. There was, uh, I think it was over the tongues to emphasize the unity in the body. There's no there's no difference. Or I mean, the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans and hated them. There was... That can be emphasized by John chapter 4 uh, and the division. The Good Samaritan emphasized that division as well, that, that parable. And then um, the Gentiles. And signs, gifts, miracles, and wonders, tongues, etc. To show, and, and Acts chapter 19 pointed out, they were all one with those who received the, the, the baptism of repentance, John's baptism. They were all one. There wasn't separate bodies. And to show, especially the apostles, etc. and so on, that there was one church. 
Because the temptation would have been to have a Samaritan church and a Gentile church and a Jewish church. That would have been the temptation. Of course it would. But there was great emphasis in the book of Acts that there wasn't these things. There was nothing about... Anyway. It's, it's sad to read this, but anyway, um, the, the extension of empathy only along Christian lines and with the tacit expectation that we define ourselves solely in terms of our Christian identity is unlikely to, to self to ultimately self-destructive purpose for the black Christian. We cannot accept such terms and survive. Um, we're near the end of this, don't worry. Uh, on the other hand, the rejection the rejection of Christian solidarity in order to emphasize black survival and well-being causes consternation for those of us who deeply believe in the gospel's reconciling power. You mean Christians, right? The rejection of Christian solidarity in order to emphasize black survival and, well, what do you mean black? I don't know what, what he means by black survival, isn't it? I think it's going to be all destroyed or something? That people are running for their lives? That this is a bizarre notion. You want to... You wanna... Anyway. Both options are a kind of suicide of something vitally important. What needed is, to be the Annabelle writes, number one, solidarity with us as black people. I have a major problem with that. I will have solidarity with people who are promoting the truth. Not just because of your skin color. What was that expression? I don't know who coined it exactly, but the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. Are we going to patronize people because they're black? No, I'm going to have solidarity with you, no matter what skin color you have, whether you're Asian, I don't care. What do you stand for? What do you believe? That's important. If I'm going to side with you purely because you're skin color, that's kind of racist, <laughs> okay? Um, number two, you're emphasizing solidarity with black people to such an extent that we're in turn free to accept and emphasize solidarity in Christ. Um, you're emphasizing solidarity with black people to such an extent that we're in turn, you know, that comes first, but to be the enemy, like, solidarity with black people, and which black people? Vody Bakum? Thomas Sowell? Thomas Sowell, I'm not, I don't think he's a Christian, but very, uh, I started listening to there a few weeks ago, very interesting man, uh, I wish I found him earlier. Very good in economics and stuff like that. Um, there's another man who was oh, trying to dig it up here on the Ben Shapiro show there not too long ago. Um, Dr. Walter Williams. And there's black conservatives who I wouldn't agree with because they're not Christians. But how are those black people? Or is it just certain ones? who support the Marxist group Black Lives Matter. Hmm. Until that happens, he says, we, we have to choose 
black solidarity before Christian to live. So he's basically chosen his skin color. And, and you know, and here's the thing, not everybody with skin color agrees with him. I want you to fight with us, but you need to be in the fight on the right basis. You'll need to understand how the current issues affect us as black people and not as Christian people. Until you understand that, you'll distract from the focus that's needed. Get them trusting your charitable reading. <laughs> Pretty hard to... Yeah. Trusting your charitable reading, I'm grateful for your expressing empathy. Stand with black people as a people because we're facing injustices as black people, not as Christians. I hope that's helpful in some way. Uh, not really. <laughs> not really, but um, yeah. And again, just to remind you of those comments from two years ago, my white neighbors and Christian brethren can start by at least saying their parents and grandparents and this country are complicit in murdering a man who only preached love and justice. Um, by the way, let me just, like, by the way, my mother is a U.S. citizen. She is. My dad's not a U.S. citizen. My mom's a U.S. citizen. Um, like a lot of Irish people came over to the United States. I have a brother who lives in New York. I have um, cousins who live in New York. I have a number. They've been there since about the 80s. I think my, my mom was there in the 60s. I got a few, one or two, two aunts uh, in the United States. Three aunts, sorry. Are the does this include them? You know, because there was a kind of a narrative going around about the Irish and the Italians and all these other groups being suppressed as well. Um, if we're going by economic worth coming in, which white people exactly? Which nationality would they have to be of German descent? Do you see how ridiculous this is? Your parents, your grandparents, are guilty purely because of white skin. Now, if they had something to do with, you know, the, the, the racist Jim Crow laws or whatever, okay, fine. Deal with the specifics. But if we just go, hey, you know, you white people, your parents, your grandparents, you're just all guilty. And, you know, it's even coming to, it's like an inherent guilt because of your white skin. How long before that spreads internationally? Because Black Lives Matter is not just in the United States, by the way. Black Lives Matter slash Antifa. And most of this rioting is not done by... Actually, just look at the videos of the rioting. I don't know if you've noticed, a lot of them are white people. <laughs> they don't look very sad. And they look like they're running out there with a you know a big massive TV or whatever else. They're Yeah, they look really traumatized. They're using it as an opportunity to steal. And you want to see where it takes you? Look at Seattle. You've got that place called Chaz now, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone run by. And look, Black Lives Matter wants to defund the police, wants to destroy. They are a communist group who want to destroy structures. And what is going to be in their place? Warlords. 
thugs. Their own guns. Their own thugs. People, when they enter into that, that Chaz group, have, have to produce documentation. They get searched. They built a wall around it. Oh, man, it is like something that the Babylon Bee wrote and they just copied. And people are naive. It's sad. We, if we see genuine, and make sure it's make sure it's genuine injustice. If there's genuine injustice taking place, and we we should pray about it first, and all this, we should maybe raise our voice and stuff like that. But how about, for example, how many? I I haven't seen any protests. Maybe I'm ignorant, but protests about you know the. Jeffrey Epstein thing, you know, that all those people who are involved in the old Jeffrey Epstein case, Prince Andrew, all these kind of people, where are protests about that? See, they didn't have a, a big communist group like Black Lives Matter or Antifa behind them. We also have to realize we're not going to see perfect justice as of eternity. And we've got to be very careful in the groups we support. And we've got to be very careful in the ideologies we support. Especially when it's an idolatrous and placing skin color more important than solidarity in Christ. That's to be the Anabule's racism. That's his flavor of racism. You want to talk about systemic racism. Some of the guys who are the biggest racists in all this. See, it's kind of predicated on this knowledge, this, this kind of um, a thing that, well, you're black, therefore you cannot possibly be racist. Yes, there, there are lots of, and a lot of these woke racists are some of the worst about it. No, they, they haven't demonstrated in their policies how bad they could get if they got into power, but I digress. Anyway, so next we're going to look at is uh, a clip from Passion City Church. A kind of a, they wanted to call it, what did they want to call it? They wanted to call it church. It wasn't church. It was kind of more of a round table get together. But, um, Twenty-three minutes and thirty seconds into this video, which is uh, from Passion City Church, I think is the name of it, the beloved community, Don, Kathy, Lecrae, Lou Giglio, and the only thing I knew about Lou Giglio is the Passion conferences, and I've done some critiques about that over the years. I'm not a big fan of them, to, to say the least. Um. I'm kind of astonished that the, the CEO of Chick-fil-A is seen... Why, why is he involved in these discussions? I don't get it. Big business owner. Um, why? But he is at this roundtable with Lecrae and um, 
the Giglio. And here's what he says. He says something disturbing about the riots. Let's play this. This is uh, Don, Dan Cathy speaking. Took action. It was several days of prayer and fasting and hurting. And I think before we try to jump into action, I, I would say that we need a period of contrition and a broken heart. Uh, in the city of Atlanta and a sense of real identity, not just criticizing people that are burning down that restaurant last night. We've got a heart for uh, the Rayshawn Brooks and the others that you've mentioned. We've got to have a sense of empathy of what led to this. This is a tip of the iceberg of incredible amounts of frustration and pain. Um, rioting, looting, destruction of property. Sometimes killing of police officers. Let us think about what led to that. Let's, let's not condemn. You know, maybe I'm taking his, con his comments out of context. I was shocked by this because I thought he was, um, you know, I was kind of imp is impressed the right word. Happy that Chick-fil-A closed on a Sunday. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. Um, that's a good sign. Uh, that's not something that's done too much anymore. And uh, there's another clip of him talking about the riots. Um, there seems to be a massive reluctance in some circles to condemn the riots. Yeah, I, you know, that makes so much sense, right? I am so traumatized over a death of a person with the exact same skin tone as me. So therefore, I have to destroy... I have to destroy a shop. I have to go kill people. I have to go burn down, you know, don't, don't mm, be careful before you, you we got to understand what it's led to. Uh, another clip, 32 minutes and 22 seconds into this. Highest possible standard. It's literally last night, as we know, uh, and I didn't learn until early this morning that later last night, uh, that restaurant was burnt to the ground. And I know as Caucasians, we can we can point fingers at the looters and those that were causing vandalism and on and on and on. Uh, I understand that we we have we've had a dozen Chick Fil A restaurants that have been vandalized in the last week. Um, what 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 does it matter for Caucasian or not? I would hope that, and you know what. You know, some people who've got looted and their businesses destroyed are black people. And they're annoyed. They're annoyed that their business and the area is going to go through economic turmoil because of these thugs. Regardless of what skin color they're and And do you know what? Many of them are white. They're Antifa guys. Led to that. Yeah, let, let's go back to the, the New Testament. Think, well, you know, pain led to the zealots and the Roman occupation in the first century. And they go around and, you know, every now and again, they go stab somebody. Well, what pain of Roman occupation caused them to do that? Or how about the suicide bomber? Where does it end? Where does it end? Should we listen to the IRA terrorist who blows up uh, women and children? Well, praise God that we don't have that as much anymore up here. Should we think, what led him to that? 
And you know what happens then? Uh, well, you know, because of the British, of course. There's always a victim mentality. And let's let's explain it in such a way that shows the logic of this kind of defense. It goes right back to the Garden of Eden. Adam didn't take responsibility for it, did he? The woman who you gave to be with me. Adam blamed not only the woman for his sin, he also blamed God. The woman whom you gave to be with me. If you can't condemn rioting, destruction, vandalism, murder, and worse, you know, justice doesn't matter there. The only justice that matters there is the justice of the mob, the justice of the thug, of the warlord. And by the way, we see examples of that again in Seattle with Chaz. And I don't know the full details of all the worst that's going on. I really don't. But it, it is astonishing that people professing Christians can say things like this. Especially a business owner that knows, yeah, it's fine for him. He's, I don't know, he's probably loaded and he's probably got lots of businesses. What about the person who's got one business? How about that person? And again, how about the black areas, which will be economically disadvantaged far more because of the rioters than they ever would have been from any police brutality? Even if you want to, even if you want to agree with what they're saying, they're making it worse. So I was really concerned about that. Okay, now twenty-seven minutes. Skipping back a little bit. 27 minutes and 30 seconds into it, um, there's kind of a, a bit of a talk about police officers. I'm just going to play it there. Such thankful hearts for how selfless our, uh, our police force leave their families. They put themselves in harm's way, on, on, and on. And there's a small minority that has given a, 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 a blanket of... of um, of, of disappointment for the police force that's out there. So if out of this conversation, uh, we could look for an opportunity to give some encouragement to our, our police mm -hmm. officers, uh, they certainly are, are needed. Uh, they've got families, they fear for their jobs, and we've got a lot of challenges that are out there and we need, uh, we need our police officers. And so thank It would help if you condemn the rioters. <laughs> that would be great. Because they're, the rioters are the ones going out there and attacking police officers. A thousand of them across the country yeah. that have given their life and put their career force. Okay, um, I'm going to play more of it in a second, but if there's just a small minority, which it is, statistically it's undeniable that it's just a small minority. And look, if you do want to say the systemic race is whatever, point out the policy point out where you know what positive changes can be made to the police to make things better and all that and if people want to peacefully protest and point these things out great and petition 
No problem with that. But what is the message of Black Lives Matter, Antifa, etc.? Destroy everything, defund the police. That is the message. That is the message. As you, as you bring that up, there's two sides to that vantage point that I always think of when I look at the scriptures, right? I think for those people who are infuriated and, and full of hatred and anger um, at, you know, the police in general, I think there, there does need to become a moment where we can see them as individuals, right? Where we can see them like Jesus saw the Roman centurion. The Roman centurion represented the force. And, and yet and still Jesus was compassionate and understood that this man um, had, you know, was, was human. And the very thing we want from the police force from the system within America is to, for them to recognize us as human. We're not trying to say, and I'm wondering, and I'm wondering, I don't want to put words in his mouth or anything. This is Lecrae talking for anybody who's listening and we get a radio later um, on iTunes. But I'm just wondering if, what if a police officer wasn't willing to take the knee? Hmm? One of the sacraments of this woke religion. This woke racist religion. Would they be seen as the enemy then and racist, etc., and so on. And I don't know, would Lecrae go as far as some undoubtedly do? But as we'll see in a second, I'm really concerned for what's going to happen next. You know, Shard or George Floyd or Breonna Taylor were, uh, you know, we're not lionizing them, we're humanizing them. We're saying they should be seen. So there's not murals painted because these were you know, uh, heroes, they were humans. And I think that's how I want us to see everyone. But at the same time, Pontius Pilate represented the legal force of that day. And he had to make a decision. And his decision obviously wasn't a good one, right? His decision was a terrible decision. Praise God, it was a God-sanctioned decision. Mm -hmm. But that's the conundrum that Pontius Pilate had to sit in is, I represent the legal force here in Rome, and they're telling me that this man should be crucified. Do I go with this infrastructure mm -hmm. or not? And we see, you know, God correcting the system or chastising the system in Revelation. He chastised and, and, he, and he talks about the system of, of Rome. I don't want to be nitpicking in and pointing out all the problems with, with these arguments here because they're not exactly germane to the whole thing, but um, the the Romans kind of just let the Jews whatever they do whatever they wanted to do, and uh, you know the blasphemy laws were Jewish laws, and yes, the capital crime was Roman jurisdiction. Um, but it was basically on the behest of the Jews. They wanted them executed. Of course, both were guilty in, in this regard. But in a lot of cases, the Romans were just trying to keep peace. The Middle East was a powder keg, and they were all ready for this d deliverer who was going to rid them of Roman occupation, and, and et cetera, and so on. So it doesn't quite 
fit in with what he's seeing, but I digress. And so I do think that we have to recognize that there was a Pharaoh who was, who there was evil within that Egyptian system. There was a King Herod and there was evil within that uh, Jewish system. There was a uh, Nebuchadnezzar. There was evil within that Babylonian system. And so I don't want us to look at our police system as if evil cannot exist within it. Mm -hmm. Because if we say... I'm not aware of anybody who's making that claim. That is a silly straw man to make. Black Lives Matter wants the destruction and defund the police. If there's a positive policy, which can help the police, I don't think there's too many people would stand in the way of that policy, po positive policy. But if it's just purely, got to eradicate racism, man. You know, okay, well, how? Point it out. Where, where's the policy? Oh, the well, if you can't see it, you're clearly turning a blind eye. Point it out, show it to me. Well, you know, um, well, back in the 60s, uh, there's pictures of, you know, people who were the first blacks on, on uh, buses. Okay, that's the 1960s, 1950s. Terrible that, that they go through all that. Okay, today, what is happening today? Well, well, well they're making less money. Uh, whoa, 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 hold the phone. Well, they got higher crime rates. Is that because of that? I'm sure there's some residual. If somebody's making less money than somebody else, does it automatically mean discrimination? No. Evil cannot exist within it. What we're doing is we're, we're believing um, that throughout the history of scripture and throughout the history of this world that somehow there are these institutions that are void of of evil, like all of a sudden they're the most righteous institutions that exist. Yeah, yeah. there's some cops uh, in our building right now. Uh, they serve us and serve alongside of us actually, believe in what we do here. I love them, um, they are friends of mine, but at the same time, uh, and they know my heart, but at the same time, Lecrae. Nobody, nobody minds, no one minds, I'm talking about the BLM Antifa side, the, the police will take the knee and lie down and embarrass their role. Nobody minds that person. I, and I'm not making any judgments. I think, uh, you know, I've never been in a moment where I had to make a split second decision. I've never been in a situation like we saw with Richard last night, but you look at what happened and you, you just say uh, from a distance, it seemed like there were a thousand other ways that that story could have played out last night of someone passed out in a car besides somebody being dead. And I think it's just that tension. Because mm -hmm. even, Dan, for me to say, man, that looked like that could have gone a different way is in no way saying to my friends who are cops that I don't believe in them and appreciate them and think they do a phenomenal job. How one of these cops stands out in the middle of a pressure cooker yeah, but the Black Lives Matter group want to defund the police, and you are. Look, if, if you want to go marching in the street and protest, great, but denounce Black Lives Matter. Because if you're side by side with 
all these thugs and everything else like that, and and you're all part of that organization, or really hard to tell the difference. Like we've seen the last few weeks, and and just takes it somehow and provides the opportunity for protest to happen mm -hmm. um, is remarkable. Mm -hmm. And the way they serve the community is remarkable, but it feels like in our country, you have to have a side on everything. And you can't say, hey, there could be problems in the system and they need to be addressed. And most of the friends I know that are cops are like, absolutely, that's what we're trying to do. Um, or you got to get over here and say, man, we're against the, against the police. And a believer has got to rise above that. Absolutely. And be able to say, just as God did, I want to walk in the situation and I want to call everybody up to the highest possible standard. Absolutely. Last night, as we know, uh, and I didn't learn until early this morning that later last night, uh, that restaurant was burnt to the ground. And I know as Caucasians, we can. This is Dan Cathy, CEO of um, Chick-fil-A. Uh, going to skip ahead a little bit for the sake of time. 37 minutes into this video. In this discussion where a lot of the controversy happened around this. We're going to 37 minutes, 14 seconds into this want our own space to worship. It's that once upon a time, we were not allowed to worship in spaces with white brothers and sisters. And so these spaces have been created. And, and we allow that gas to continue and to say, well, that's just the way that it is. We're moving on. Instead of saying, what can we begin to do? And, and how can we begin to address these things? And, and honestly, um, where are areas where we need to repent? Where are areas where we need to listen? Where are areas that we need to grow in? Also, I think misconceptions can be made as well in churches because, you know, you might have an all-black church and an all-white church. Could it be possibly race? It could, but not necessarily. It could purely be what denomination, generally speaking, are black people. It's usually Pentecostal, charismatic, different theology too. And if you go somewhere like Dutch Reformed or something like that, they happen to be white. Within the families, next generation, next generation, next generation. Now, are there black reform people? Yeah, there there are. Praise God for that. Um, but it, it shouldn't be about the race. It should be we are united about what we believe, regardless of what we look like. It can't. You got to be very careful talking like this, that it doesn't just become, in order to virtue signal, we got to make sure that, you know, like say in the United States, that 13% of our, or whatever the pop percent of black people is in the country, that 13% of your congregation is that number of black people. Or no, 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 it should be purely based on, do they have a credible profession of faith? End of story. Instead of just allowing this to become our norm, if the church is good at anything, it should be for addressing what should not be. We should be the plumb line, right? We yeah. should be the standard, the example. Lou, you're talking about the heart, and I so appreciate the word repent. Uh, we had a conversation with the West Side Future Fund. Uh, we have a summit that takes place on the first and third, and we had uh, a 19-year-old African-American young man that was on the panel. 
and uh, hosted by uh, Beverly Tatum, who is the chairman, chairperson, formerly president of Spelman College, and she was facilitating this panel. And this young man talked about repentance. And I was surprised that he used that word. That's a spiritual term, of course, but he did not. And the diff- there is... There is a repentance talk and talked about in within the woke religion, but it it does not lead to re- forgiveness. Forg- if people repent within the church, Matthew eighteen, there should be forgiveness. Forgiveness. If we repent and trust in Christ, there is forgiveness of sin. There's no in you know this idea of racial reconciliation. There's no forgiveness in this. There's never forgiveness in this. There's continual grov- groveling and pandering. And at what point will it be enough? When will it come to the point where, and really it's getting to in like an endless penance, not repentance, but penance being done on a continual basis. Uh, strike me as a, as a young man that maybe knew a lot about scripture, but I love that term. And I like to share... Uh, I know we're starting to get into some of our closing moments here, but a story that was shared with me by a dear friend who shared with me about a revival that was taking place at a church in Texas. And uh, at that revival on the front seat was an older African-American, young, uh, older African-American man, man that was sitting there. And this young man got up that uh, was there in that service, and he'd been so gripped with conviction about the racism that was in that local community in a small town in Texas that he what was it if if that personal person was racist okay that person needs to repent but of the racism in his community he took a uh, a shoe brush and he walked over to this elderly gentleman and he knelt on his knees and began to shine his shoes. And uh, tears began to flow uh, in that service. Uh, it was an attitude of, uh, of conviction. So I, I invite folks to just to, to put some words to action here. And if we need to find somebody that needs to have their shoe shine, we need to just go right on over and shine their shoes. And uh, whether they got tennis shoes on or not, maybe they got sandals on, it really doesn't matter. But there's a time in which we need to have, you know, some some personal action here. Maybe we need to give them a hug, too, brother. <laughs> and, some, and, some, and some stock in Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are listening on, don't know what's going on. Dan Cathy, this is again from audio listeners, came over, walked over, brushed some kind of a shoe brush, brushed Lecrae's, I mean, he's got runners on, we say runners, you guys say sneakers, and hugged him. What utter pandering? Why? Was, was Dan Cathy ever racist against Lecrae at any point. Now, just say he, if, if you ever was racist against him at any point, just say, brother, I'm sorry. And that's it. There's no, 
bowing down with the knee sacrament of the walk religion of this kind of penance that going and does it end no 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 you keep going no no there's no, no end in sight with this mm. there is much condemnation in this religion there's no there's no forgiveness where's where the forgiveness where where's it where does it end it never ends it never ever you'll never reach a point of reconciliation with this And it, 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 utter, utter, I'm, sh I'm shocked how much pandering, because, I mean, I didn't know much about Chick-fil-A. What I'd heard about him was very good, and I was like, praise the Lord, they don't open on the Sunday, etc. and so on. Utter, pandering. And it seems, and here's the scary thing, right? I thought this was a couple of fringe lunatics who were kissing the feet of black people, white people coming up and kissing the feet of black people, and bowing before them, asking for forgiveness, all this stuff for the sins of their ancestors and all this kind of stuff. What utter nonsense. And there's, there's, there's no forgiveness there anyway, if they ever did. Because there's, how would you, how do you atone for it? There's, there's none. Where do you get to the point that these woke people will be satisfied? They won't. There's, there's no forgiveness in this religion. None. And this is where racism gets you. Anti-racism racists. And it's really sad that this happens. I mean, I was utterly, utterly shocked by this when I saw this. Pandering. Utter pandering. Is it just, oh, question, is it just white people in the church need to repent? Nobody else of racism. Should we go down to North Africa and tell the barber people, whatever their natural descendants are, who enslaved white people back in, I don't know, between the 16th and the 18th century? Should we ask for repentance from them? This is the woke sacrament. Taking the knee, shame the shoes. And groveling and bowing down before people. And making an idol out of a certain skin color. Again, I was shocked at how mainstream this became. I just thought, oh, this is a couple of people who are not all there. And, you know, I'm going to leave this alone because this isn't something that really probably affects us here in, in Britain and Northern Ireland. No, no, this is, you know, unfortunately, when America gets a cold, it often spreads fairly quickly, especially with the way the world is now. I mean, it's it's so frustrating. The Premier League is back, and all the footballers are you know taking a knee. You know these wealthy people. 
you know, they suffered in just, give me a break. They're making hundreds of thousands a week. And if there was a systemic racism that they were talking about, they'd never. This, this is, I hope people can see this is toxic. This is dangerous. This will lead to disunity. This will lead to another gospel. Another gospel where the reconciliation, not re reconciliation with God as sought, but reconciliation with black people. And in certain circles, I think it's in Union College, Union Seminary, is, which is extremely leftist in New York, they see, you know, Christianity as a white religion. And so what, you know, when it really gets back to it, it's really an underhanded attack of Christianity because Christianity historically is, is identified with whiteness. And, you know, it's basically, oh, you know, they'll say, repent of your whiteness. Oh, we're not about white skin. We're really talking about your racist attitudes in the past. And then they dig back, oh, oh, you, you don't like any Christian leaders in the past. Any of the missionaries who went to America or anything. Oh, this is you trying to, oh, you're attacking Christianity. Oh, okay. That's not great. Um, and, you, and you can see with Tabidi Annabelle. I don't know, conscious, unconscious, whatever the case may be, it shows this danger because he's putting skin color above the ad of Christian solidarity. He even said it out of his own lips. This is his idol. This is his idol. And um, don't take the knee. Bow to Christ. Don't bring yourself into subjection to a an ideology which talks about undoing cis privilege and all this. It's anarchy. And again, it, it, at the end of the day, it's an attack upon Christianity. Whether, and whether professing Christians know this or not know this, or whether they're too naive to know this, that's what it is, unfortunately. Hopefully that's been a blessing to you. Won't be back again until about mid-July. So no programs next week or the week after. Feel free to send me emails, mikidofilms at gmail.com, but I might be a bit slow in getting back to you. Uh, you can also try me on Facebook, but I'll be focusing on my exams, which are starting on the 7th of July. I'll ask for your prayers. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for listening in. And I pray that um, this, this program was somewhat encouraging to you in these dark times in which we live. May God bless you all.